0: Hi, Darren here. Before the episode starts, I wanted to let you know that we're hosting a brand new webinar in partnership with Vodafone on Thursday, the 2nd of July. Titled Big Data, what the future holds for Vodafone. Join us live as we talk BigQuery ML and how data is being used at Vodafone HQ. What's more, you'll also get to hear from Google as they chat all things GCP. This event really isn't one to be missed. So make sure you sign up via the link in the show notes. On the podcast today, we've got Darren Reid. So Darren, you're the resourcing specialist and London team manager at BBC. I'm correct in thinking that right?
1: That is, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, London team manager. Yeah, perfect. I I was writing down the years of experience here and I was a bit shocked when I tallied it all (laughs) up, but apparently I've been in recruitment for 13 years this year eight of which was in agency, um, which was energy recruitment. So I was working for a small family-run firm. And then the last five has been in-house um, in a variety of companies. So i worked with GE, i worked with Deloitte, and more recently the BBC, where I am now. Four of four of those last um, last 13 years have been as, uh, specific to technology recruitment.
0: For those listening um, into the podcast, just to give it a bit of an evergreen feel and so everyone knows where we're at in the world right now, we're currently in the middle of the, uh, of the COVID situation. So if anything we go through on this call is related to that, you know why and kind of where we're at uh, at this point. So yeah. I guess from a personal perspective, how are you finding the, the current situation?
1: Yeah, um, you know, from a personal perspective, um, it, it's an interesting one. I was I was just mentioning to someone earlier that I, I'm i probably a bit of a contradiction in the sense I like to talk to all of my stakeholders in work about the the, the huge benefits of working remotely, but I'm, I myself am more of a fan of working in the office. So it's taking a bit of an adjustment to be able to get into the working from home. And I've been working from home since pretty much early March. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I've, I think like anyone, I've had some, I've had good days, I've had bad days, I've had middling days. And I think now I've settled into a decent routine of, of having to work remotely during this coronavirus crisis. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I'm now settling into that rhythm, but it's still my preference to be in an office. But I think that, you know, the new normal isn't going to be anything like it was used to be. So we'll have to see how things develop as, as the situation goes on.
0: I'm very much like yourself. Uh, I'm not a massive advocate from a personal perspective, working from home and working remotely. Um, I know lots of people love it, but from my side, I'm a very much a people person. So I like to be around other people in the office. My dad actually has worked for about 30 years from home. So he, he works for, for BT uh, and he's been oh, okay. working from home pretty much my entire life. Um, so he's very used to it. But when this hit, it's taken a lot of adjustment on my side. But I, I think that I agree with what you're saying that I think the new norm, uh, will be completely different afterwards, and you 're seeing that in what companies like Twitter are doing and all that kind of all that kind of stuff
1: yeah, the recent announcement that they're, you know that none of their employees have to go back if they don't want to ongoing was a really interesting uh, news story this week
0: yeah, and there's a lot of companies that um, you're seeing moving to to that model I, I think it was it was Facebook as well that said they were going to move to something similar this week from from my memory.
1: So, yeah, I think, you know, I think that that's, we're going to see more and more of that across, you know, many different industries, you know, obviously for, especially within technology where remote working is a lot more of a possibility than anything else. You know, I think that's going to, you yeah, that, that might be the new norm is that's the, that's the state of play is it's working from home unless specified otherwise. So yeah, really, really interesting to see how the whole employment market is going to change over the course of the next six months to a year.
0: Yeah, and no, I think the biggest adjustment for me when I, um, when I started the, the working from home transition was trying to get good setup because the first day i uh, i started working from home i was late i kind of laid out on the on the bed my my girlfriend in the police so i didn't want to kick her out of the front room so i just sat (laughs) on the bed with a laptop and it was the most uncomfortable day because you can sit there for a little while but after a while you're like okay this isn't good this isn't good for my posture as time goes on you have to start thinking about your your setup What's what's your setup from
1: home so I'm sat at my dining table um, at the moment, which is where myself and my wife have been working on opposite, opposite sides of the table. Um, but we're sitting on our dining room chairs and I've just I've spent the last week trying to research which office chairs we need to get because we're going to be in them for the foreseeable future. So we want to make sure that yeah. um, we're all ergonomically correct. Um, and, yep. you know, and I'm, I'm definitely suffering a bit. At the, back, the back's hurting a bit from sitting on these uh, on these dining room chairs. But yeah, we're, we're yeah, we're essentially working in our uh, yeah, working in our dining room at the moment. And um, I mean an incredibly plain wall with some masking tape around the switch because one of our many coronavirus projects is repainting the entire place so yeah we 're in the middle of that at the moment so if you 're wondering why there 's no pictures and it looks a bit devoid of uh, of anything it 's because of that
0: well that 's something that me and um me and my partner have discussed as well. We were saying that this would be the perfect time to uh go out and paint uh, as yet uh, i 've not made it to that level. Um, I think I was telling you before the the podcast started i've got i've uh, created a little addiction for myself um that i probably need yep. to break out of a little bit and get some <laughs> painting done it's like the perfect yep. time to be doing a little bit of um a bit of diy commendable you've actually done it when i've just thought about it
1: very slowly we're doing it very slowly commendable be when it's done i think but we're we're, <laughs> we're taking it quite slowly as we go along
0: so, so i guess everyone will know who the bbc are like, like, I, I don't want to teach people to to suck (laughs) eggs because if you're not aware of the bbc like where where have you been in your life but i guess when people think of the bbc a lot of time they they think about bbc one and two just channels maybe they think of um bbc.co.uk there's loads of things that the bbc do that a lot of people probably don't think of up front so do you want to run us through um some products and product projects you guys work on
1: yeah definitely. so if I go through our kind of key digital products because that comes in the realm of what I look after in London, which is design and engineering sure. um, so you know the kind of mainline digital products that we have within there are iPlayer, uh, BBC sounds, news, sports, children and bite size there are kind of mainline uh, digital products within the BBC so all really really key products out there in the market at the moment, and um, more so than ever really during this time you know we're seeing some Massive increases in users across all of those products. So, uh, well, with the exception of sport, I have to say, um, the the number of visitors yeah. to sport and the users of BBC Sport has gone down dramatically. But that's due to the lack of sport, unfortunately. Um, sure. So, yeah. But you know, it, those those are the mainline digital products, and um, within those particular products and those teams and those associated support areas, there's uh, it's around three thousand four hundred people within design and engineering. And the best way to think wow. about design and engineering is pretty much everything technology within the BBC so everything sure. we use to keep the BBC online the people aligned to those mainline products all the support functions around it all the monitoring all the data all of that kind of stuff.
0: So uh, I guess my question on that side and you, you kind of touched on it but how has the usage and how has things you've had to do at the BBC changed in the last eight ten weeks?
1: Yeah definitely so I, uh, let me tackle usage first because that, that's a really interesting one because with things like BBC iPlayer, which is a, you know, a w- kind of world-renowned um, product, really, and, and you know, what's certainly yep. at the forefront of video streaming you know, in, its, in its current format, last year alone, so calendar year 2019, there were 4.4 billion different requests for iPlayer in terms of user wow. requests to watch a particular product. So it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a huge amount. If I look to kind of a year-on-year comparison from last year to this year, the amount of requests or the amount of users that are on iPlayer has gone up 42.8%. So it's a huge increase on what is already, you you know, a pretty well subscribed service. You know, that's fantastic to see because obviously we're, you know, we're in the same market as Amazon Video, we're in the same market as Netflix and, you know, various other competitors as well. So to see that increase has been great you know bbc sounds which is probably you know our, our newest offering really which deals with podcasts and radio you know all of the kind of audio that we produce that's gone up 22.7% year on year the biggest one that we've had which is really fascinating for me because it's it, i think it's one of the best stories that has come out of the bbc recently is because we're in a position where lots of kids are being homeschooled at present before they can go back we've had a yep. lot more traffic going to bbc bite size which BBC bite size traditionally reaches around eighty percent of secondary students and about forty percent of junior students. And bite size has gone up in terms of year-on-year usage ninety three point four percent. So it's wow. fantastic that the BBC. I think that, you know it's fantastic that the BBC is producing extra content to get onto those things and. We've had this really fantastic thing called uh, Bite Size Daily, which is really exciting because Bite Size Daily is essentially you get lessons um, that are put onto the platform to be able to listen to or to watch online, whatever your chosen platform is. But the way that we're doing it is we're getting people like Sergio Aguero to teach people to count in Spanish. We're getting Professor Brian Cox to be able to teach science. We're getting Danny Dyer to teach history, which is hilarious. Um, we're getting, you know, I suppose the big one for me is that we're getting Sir David Attenborough to, to be able to teach geography and about the oceans and the planet, which is, you know, it's amazing. We've got all of these people coming to the forefront to be able to, you know, try and help out with the situation at home. Yeah. Which is an amazing thing. You know, it's, it's fantastic to work for an organisation that that much care and that much effort is taken to Definitely. to basically stick with what the BBC was originally created for, which is to inform, to educate and entertain. And those tenants still matter today, and, and even now during the kind of coronavirus situation, it's come more to yep. the forefront that that's what we're here for. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting time, um, you know, for you know, for uh, for the BBC. But it, you know, it, it's not without its challenges. You know, there's lots that we've had to look at. We've got approximately twenty thousand staff that are working from home now. Only seven percent of our staff base is actually going into various BBC sites. And they're really to do with making sure broadcasting is still happening, you know, the kind of essential services, the critical services. But that's still a lot of people to uproot from, from offices and move into home locations. And we've had to think about, you know, the situation of the infrastructure. Can our infrastructure, you know, Get that many people working from home and signing in remotely. You know the challenges that we've got in upskilling staff to using Zoom and various other remote type types of software packages that we that we need to go through. From a kind of core resourcing perspective, there's the you know there's the challenges we've got about remote onboarding individuals and dealing with getting them the equipment they need. And I suppose the most important one for me as a manager and, and, and leading a team and and really for anyone within within the BBC is making sure that everyone's mental you know mental well-being is taken care of, uh, which is a really pertinent thing kind of laser focus on mental health at the moment is super important with, with what's going on.
0: Yeah, I, I agreed. I'll go, I'll loop back to, to mental health in a minute, because definitely something I'll, I want to touch on, on that side. And definitely something I'd like to get into further in this conversation. Mm. Uh, I, I guess from a tech perspective, what's quite interesting is that what people won't really consider is that with all the uplifting usage of your, your platform and different solutions, the yeah. infrastructure behind that is constantly under kind of pressure. Because yeah. you've got 42% more on on play, you've got I think you said 95% more on uh, on bite size. So yeah. as a normal as a normal user, you just think, okay, I want to get onto BBC Sports, see if the football's been announced that they're going to start mm-hmm. it again. But you're not really thinking about everything that's happening in the background and the map usage that's going on at any given
1: time absolutely yeah it's it's an astounding technical kind of feat that we're able to up with that increased load across all of the sites and you know we've got the platform which powers all of that we've got our monitoring teams which are looking at things you know it's an impressive amount to see increase and how we how we deal with that in in the current situation is 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 very unique and it's a problem that a lot of teams within design and engineering you know are really having to you know look at a great deal and look at the resources that we have and what we can do and it's one of those things where it's it's mind-boggling to think about from my perspective because even the normal numbers that we had before the situation were you know kind of you know completely you know kind of you know numbers completely pucked out of thin air that just seem unreal because of the amount of users there but now with that increase it's yeah it's it's something that the bbc is keenly aware of but i've seen some amazing things departments working together that haven't worked before um, you know, people really coming to the forefront with new ideas about how we can innovate and get around some some of these issues. So, yeah, really fascinating time.
0: So, how has the the current pandemic affected hiring at BBC?
1: Yeah, so you know, I I think with a lot of companies at the moment, you know, we we've had to really take a look at what we see as what we're referring to as business critical hiring within the BBC. Sure. You know, identifying those um, either those business areas or those job families or any specific pockets of the BBC which um, really need to be scaled up effectively to meet the demand of what we're seeing, but also to ensure that any of these major BBC digital products are kept online. So it's you know we we've gone through that process and we've we've identified those areas. So resourcing as a whole has definitely slowed down but we're still looking for those business critical areas and we're still looking to take people on it's just at a slightly smaller scale at the moment
0: yeah i think you're seeing that across a lot of businesses at the moment i think that um i was chatting to, to someone yesterday and they were they were talking about how things are changing in the industry and my opinion and feel pretty challenging on this is that businesses now every penny counts so businesses now are having to think about okay do we actually need this person what are they coming to to join whereas i used to speak to a lot of businesses and they would say like just keep getting us java devs like we will just keep taking <laughs> people and keep taking people it's like okay have you really thought about thought about whether you need these people and like what they're going to come in to do there's a, a big enterprise business that, that i work i've worked with for a couple of years and um, not without giving away the name but they they told me that they had hired 150 more people than they actually needed in the business um last year so so that that changed their their plans for for this year so i think that's what's happened historically in the last last kind of five years or so we've gone into a hiring boom
1: and yeah kind of
0: pulled it back a little bit
1: yeah i mean it's you know i i think um certainly within the bbc is that you know there's always been that constant need for um you know for for technology staff to be able to enter the business and funny you mentioned java devs because obviously everyone else is in the same position i know that the better part of yeah. the last few years has been looking for those people um, you know i i think we're we're very lucky that the bbc is quite an established organization we've got lots of process and protocol behind the scene lots of measures in place to make sure that we're not completely smashing through our headcount and what our budgeted headcount is sure you know and I, I think it's you know for what's really important to remember about the bbc is that we do all of the work that we do with the kind of flagship products that we have and get the amount of users that we do but we're still a public service. We're not a wholly commercial company. Our commercial side of the business doesn't take up very much of what we do. Obviously, we produce lots of content that gets sold out to other locations. But yeah. we're doing all of this, you know, in, in, you know, in, in a public service realm. So it's a really interesting prospect because you don't necessarily have the money that your Netflixes and Amazons do to throw at the scenario. So you know, so it's 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 always really interesting. But yeah, everything's everything's under more of an you know more of an eye now. The justifications for new roles coming in. Um, You know, we're looking at when we're hiring people, you know, we're going a bit more in depth in terms of what's the business case for it. So, you know, there's definitely more, there's definitely more rigor around what we're doing, but it's, um, you know, we've already got those frameworks in place. We're just essentially heightening the, you know, the measures that we're putting in place.
0: And do you think any of the, because you've said that you've got great frameworks that have worked historically, but do you think anything that you're doing now is something that you'll implement into the frameworks going forward?
1: I think the kind of current state of assessing either new jobs that we're looking at or hiring people is going to stay in place for, you know, probably six months to maybe longer. So there isn't anything dramatically different we're doing. We're just adding more kind of business case justification into things. You know, we're really looking into the whys and breaking it down into specific categories. You know, what is it in relation to the individual? What is it in relation to the role? Have we looked at the external factors that are affecting the decisions that we're making? So I think it's just pushing those things. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in a lean process, very much so. So I'd like to get those processes as lean as possible. You know, and it's always a bit of a bugbear of mine, no matter where I work, that we could be doing something leaner. But I think given the situation and given what the BBC is and what we do you know I think having those measures in place and those additional checks is actually you know is worthwhile and it's it's really going to help us as a business going forward
0: and um, how are you finding the the elephant in the room how are you finding the, the market at the moment for, for tech talent
1: yeah I mean it's it, it's a hard one to say really because I think if you're going out and headhunting people they're certainly a more captive audience than they would be before just because yeah. you know there are there are various companies that unfortunately have had to that have had to get rid of some people, and you know there are tech organisations that are scaling back. You know people are on furlough and a little bit unsure. So I think if you're going out and doing that hard work, depends on the Java engineers, is the example that we're saying on the call. So we'll stick with yeah. that. There's definitely more of a captive audience there, you know. But I think that the number of vacancies has obviously completely dropped off. At, you know across technology, you know across the UK really. I mean, my main focus is London, so. That's the sort of microcosm that I understand more, you know, but it's, it's, I think in some instances you're doing a lot better for things that we would usually be fighting for. So deck candidates with data engineering experience, anyone with Scala experience, um, you know, any Java engineers, um, you know, I I think that we were, I personally having worked in contract recruitment for a very long time, I was really expecting there to be a dramatic change come April when the private sector IR35 was coming in. And I thought that you'd see a lot of people returning from contracting to the more fixed term contracts or permanent roles. I think maybe we were banking on that a little bit in some specialisms. And now that's not the case, you know, and, you know, and now that that's been extended until next year, that's had a bit of an effect on what we are potentially expecting more people to come back into for permanent work. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think we're finding it tougher, but certainly for the type of people that we've always struggled with, we're getting more traction. So yeah, it's it's I mean I I really want to see what it's like in 3 months time. I think it's I think it's really early to tell at the moment, especially because I think everyone's been in a bit of a state of right, we need to really assess what our business critical roles are. We've just shed this amount of people. Everyone's in a sort of stasis at the moment. So yeah. no big changes. I think in 3 months time we'll have a much much clearer idea of of what the market is really saying and doing. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what it's like then. But, we, you know, we, we are still recruiting at the moment. We're still doing external recruitment, and that seems to be going well for the business critical roles, and they're definitely there. I think there's a sense of people want stability as well in the market. You know, there's Great. a lot of people that I don't think, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's, it's disparaging to say that the BBC isn't a top market payer. I think that's probably quite wide known um, across the tech community, but there's lots of different things that we do offer. And I think that maybe bbc's perception of being a very stable thing you know you've got this idea in your head about the bbc it's, it's always been there you know be it from t v or from BBC sports that you've read forever or you know or you know if you're younger you know you watch c or or bitesize and you know you' yeah. worked your way up so I think this the institution the idea of the institution of the BBC is quite is something that seems quite stable and it is you know it's one of those things it's one of those stores that's always been there. And I think that does feed into the candidate market. I think people have that perception of the BBC. What they don't have is the perception is that we're a tech company, um, you know, and that's what we want more of is that the broadcasting, the broadcasting side of things is still very much, you know, that's the perception. And I think over the last few years, people see iPlayer sounds and all these major products as being, you know, this is the real tech side of the BBC. But I think is it next year, next two years is going to be the BBC's 100 year anniversary. And if you look at what the BBC has done over that time, I would say that the BBC has always been a tech company. You know, yeah. first broadcaster in the UK, creating all the television technology. Look at, you know, the invention of like the red button. Look at iPlayer that's been created. All of these technology kind of innovations that come from the BBC. So I've, I've always seen the BBC as a technology company. And I might be showing my age a bit here, so forgive me. But the first, the first computer, the personal computer, I ever used was a BBC Acorn in school.
0: Wow. So okay. that's
1: that's that's what I remember when I was young is that we had BBC Acorns in our school and that was the first like personal computer that I used. So um, yeah, I've, I've always had it in my mind that the BBC has been quite techie, but. We just need to get the message out there a bit more that we are.
0: How do you remember what computer you used at uh, school? Like,
1: I remember it was very
0: boxy, but I couldn't tell you what it was.
1: I, do, I, do, I don't know why I remember it. I mean, I remember all sorts of weird stuff like that, but I very regularly remember it to empty the dishwasher. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff I do remember.
0: So, so your wife gets annoyed because she's like, you remember all the things you don't need to remember, but suddenly we've got dishes uh, loading up over there, so we need to fix that.
1: I saw a really funny tweet last week that someone posted It said, during coronavirus me and my wife are playing a game of why do you do it like that there are no winners
0: (laughs) the way i'm thinking about the um the market at the moment i think it's circular like like any market is Hmm. so i think with the first 25 percent of it was trying to figure out everyone went into panic mode Hmm. they were like okay like what are we going to do because we didn't plan for this this wasn't in our in our roadmap what is the the thing we do Hmm. everyone went into panic mode i think that after probably a month you got a little bit of stability but stability was okay we have decided what the structure of our business is going to look like we don't know what we're going to do from a hiring side yeah and that's when everyone started thinking about evp i think that evp has become more important now than ever because it's so hard to to find talent you talked about stability a minute ago and i think that a lot of people think that the recruitment market is buoyant because of because unfortunately more people coming onto it sure in reality there's a lot of people that are are too scared to move at the moment because you don't want to take a risk and then I guess where we are now is I think that everyone is starting to get their feelers out for okay we actually do need these people to to join the business you're getting a bit more of a okay we are hiring but it's business critical hires and then my hope would be in, in two or three months time we get back to the point of we are coming out this from an economic perspective. And there's a lot of things that need to happen before that. But we come out of this as stronger as a nation. And mm. then hiring goes back to, to normal. And then we get people like ourselves and other companies that realize okay we are still trying to innovate and we need good talent in order to do that
1: yeah definitely i mean i i think it's i think it's been a little bit telling in you know knowing some of the kind of other industry players or people working in tech within london certainly is that people that have yeah. gone through that that aggressive scaling up operation over the last year and their response to this scenario has been has been quite different from obviously from ours because because we're so established and we're in, probably an over matrixed organization in the sense of we've got a lot of those kind of you know risk you know mitigating risk as we go along because we we've been yeah. quite used to it for a few years and I think that there've been people that unfortunately haven't had that and to see that knock on effect but you're absolutely right you know I think you know I think EVP is is something that we've that we've been very conscious of certainly since I've been with the BBC and now there's a lot more projects project work based around that and I'm sure that's going to be the same for everyone you know making sure that you know that you know what we're proposing you know is is going to be suitable for people coming in and using it as a right attraction tool yeah it's really odd because th- this situation has there's actually a quote from a senior leader um, that I'm sort of I'm heavily paraphrasing, but she she works up in BBC Scotland and she was saying that, you know, from from everywhere within that area, you know, even though we're so separate, we've actually never been more together because people are so much more conscious of staying in touch and they're so much more conscious of what are you doing and making so sure we have a more joined up approach and having a lot more of it, you know, especially within HR and resourcing and talent is making sure that all of those components are coming together and we're having more regular updates And that stream of communications is coming out more regularly and being more informative, although we seem more remote and more separate it's actually been the most together that we've ever been, which is which is a really interesting side effect of things, because I would have thought that whilst we're all working from home in our little silos that that would be the case. But it's brought people together. It's made people a lot more conscious of, um, you know, of your mental well-being and how you're operating. So. I mean, yeah, and then pushing that out as part of your E V P is obviously a very key part of all of that.
0: I know that um, D&I is, is a big part of what the BBC doing. You've, um, you've got a scheme called Extend, right? Um, um, around yeah, Office,
1: we've, we've buy- got a number of schemes that we yeah, within D&I. has <laughs> been, been, yeah, there's a lot of focus on that, and quite rightly so within, you know, certainly within technology, because you know, I know that there's a lot going on within technology from... From a vein perspective, from a gender perspective, from disability, from neurodiversity, just so many different types of you know D and I that we need to that we do need to be conscious of, and it's it's fantastic to see all the programs that we're putting together. And the BBC recently made an appointment, and yeah, I think this has probably been news quite recently. So, do you remember June Sarpong, who used to be on T four? Yep. So she's leading some of our diversity inclusion within the BBC at the moment. Oh, so,
0: interesting. I yeah, hadn't quite, heard about that.
1: Interesting pivot, but I learned more about her. She's written some books about um diversity and, you know, oh. she's actually, you know, she's done a, she's done so, so well in, in that particular field and somewhat of, you know, kind of like a, a thought leader there now. It's fantastic. And so we've, she's come on board and she's, um you know, she's been looking at how, you know, how to improve diversity of all types within the BBC. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something we're all very keen, you know, very keenly aware of. It's something that is, Kind of, you know, weaved into the DNA of how we do our resourcing. It's it's always there at the forefront, and we've got lots of different schemes and programs that we that we monitor to try and make sure that we're we're creating a diverse work- workforce as possible across all types of diversity.
0: And I'm so glad that you actually touched touched on all types of diversity. Yeah, I actually come from uh, I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic, and w- the challenge I faced when I came into the uh, employment market was that. A lot of time, when you're working at a kind of grad level, you're given these big, long tests and assessments to do. Yeah. Being dyslexic, that was the worst thing that someone could have given me. So, yeah. when I'm talking to hiring managers a lot of time, they're, they're talking about their process and, okay, mm. well, what do you think we could do around this? The best advice I can I always give is think about who you're giving this to. Don't Absolutely. think about this in terms of that this needs to work for the thousand people. Think about the one person that is perfect for your organization but this isn't right for because of something completely out of their hands.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much that we've done over the last couple of years within the BBC, within technology, to make sure that we're so conscious of all of that and, and making sure that our our candidate flow throughout our process is as accommodating as it can be to everyone. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's very hard to get that absolutely right for everyone, but what we do make it... We do make it very clear at every stage of the process that if this isn't right for you, then do reach out in whatever way is comfortable for you, and we will come up with something we can tailor this process and we can amend it. Because I think what we're conscious of is there's not one-size-fits-all solutions to things like dyspraxia and dyslexia. You know, there are there are levels and there's a spectrum within there of what, how people are comfortable. So you have to treat those on a case-by-case basis, and uh, you know, and that's that's what we're doing. And there's all sorts of fantastic support for all the resourcing advisors and the leaders. About how we can do that, and we're constantly going to seminars and and looking at the latest thought leaders um, on what they're doing and what they're suggesting. So it's really fantastic to see because I, I think a lot of people talk about diversity, and I think that a lot of people make that a part of their you know their advertising and what they're doing within recruitment. But you know, I the BBC very much does you know walk the walk when it comes to it. It's it's fantastic to see. So yeah, it's really really good, and I've I've never worked in such a diverse company before in terms of the. The types of individuals I meet, you know, and the types of diversity around—it's um, it's, its its visible everywhere, and it's not visible in some instances, but it's um—it's an incredibly diverse workforce, which can only obviously mean good things for us.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I—I I think you what you said there is is perfect. It, it's not about talking the talk about it's about walking the walk. It's what are you implementing? Because I obviously touched on during an interview process. But probably even more important is once someone's joined the organisation, how are you helping them in their in their role? Because the hope would be, from an EVP spe- perspective, that you are setting them up for so much success mm-hmm. that their goal is to grow with an organisation. I think that what a lot of people see in the market is that someone will join an organisation, be there two years, and mm-hmm. move on for their next step. Yeah. But in reality, especially at the BBC and organisations like yourself, you're so, you're so big that... Mm-hmm. There is, there's a lot of opportunity to to grow and move into a different area if, yeah. if there's interest in that.
1: Yeah, there's the internal mobility at the BBC is impressive. The amount of people that don't leave the BBC but move to another role within the BBC. And that could be a promotion within team. It could be a new role in a different area. But we have also got people making complete sideways moves. You know, we're really conscious that, you know, that there's a skill shortage in certain areas. So why don't we look at training Technical architects. Why, why don't we look at converting people who are sound engineers to be software engineers? You know, so there's we want to make sure that everyone has a fair chance internally within the BBC as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's impressive. It actually took me a while to get my head around because I was used to so much kind of outgoing traffic in the sense of this is our churn rate and we need to refill that. Where you know our churn rate is under market, you know, for for technology, and we're doing a really good job of of making sure that opportunities are you know are there for internal people to either completely retrain, make a sideways move, get promoted to go into a completely new kind of set. It's, you know, it's, it's really, really good to see.
0: Because you're such a, a long-term institution. Yeah. The internal mobility is huge because you wouldn't have predicted 50 years ago as an organization, stuff like data science and AI oh, yeah. and, and streaming and all this kind of stuff that that's come along. So I suspect yeah. there's a lot of people in your organization similar to companies like a BT like my dad joined BT as, a, uh, as an accountant about 50 years ago now. He's an old man. Um, and he is now um, working on all their contact centers. So he's like right. the director for a lot of their contact centers.
1: Amazing. Um,
0: so I, I think that when you are an organization like BBC, giving people the ability to internally uh, be mobile is, is going to be huge for you.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you do get a lot of people that have got a very long tenure with the BBC. I, I think a BBC-wide statistic, so not just technology, but including our studios and all the, all the other sections is, I think when I first joined, the average tenure at the BBC was 7.9 years or something like that, wow. which is crazy. Obviously, oh, you know, you know in, in, in today's market, you know, where people move around a lot more frequently, but, you know, even within technology, there, you know, there are people within the BBC that have, that have been here for a really long time and that's great to see because they've essentially taken a product from its infancy. If you look at iPlayer, you know, when it first started to what it is now and the offering it is now, it's, it's, it's really, really impressive that you, that you get people that actually stick there through that journey for that particular product or team.
0: So I, I guess the, the final question that I've got for you before I move on to the tougher questions that I've already pre-warned <laughs> you about. Okay. Um, the little game we're going to play in, it in uh, five or so minutes. If you had to um, look back on this situation, and had to give your, uh, your past self some advice or, or even someone that's struggling at the moment with, with working from home, mm. what advice would you give people?
1: Firstly, get a good chair because your back's gonna need it. I can't sit on these dining <laughs> sure. room chairs any longer. Probably more serious advice would be is to, is to try and figure out what works best for you and how you fit in with your team. Figure out what the best way to communicate is. You know, I think, I think everyone probably went through that initial stage of having too many Zoom calls there was that zoom overload at the beginning where everyone was super conscious of, you know, we need to, we need to stay in touch, which was great to see because that over communication probably helped, you know, but I suppose but you know, working for now is it is just figure out what works for you. Lots of people are in different situations at home. You know, you might have children at home you've got to take care of. You might have other responsibilities, care responsibilities. There's any, you know, people are in any number of situations. So I think, I think is having those kind of honest conversations about your expectations of you and the agility and the you know and the flexibility you have within there is really really important because once you get in you know once you understand that then you can start getting into a rhythm of how you need to work going forward. Awesome.
0: Cool. Let's let's play the 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 game then. It's called this or that.
1: This or Um, that. So
0: so I want you just to go with the first answer that comes to your head. Don't think about it too much. Right. Cool. So full tracksuit or t-shirt and jeans. T-shirt and jeans. Full English or slice of toast? Full English. Tea or coffee?
1: Coffee.
0: Tea for a football manager?
1: Football manager.
0: <laughs> Tiger King or normal people?
1: Oh, Tiger King because I haven't seen normal people. And I work for the BBC. That's terrible.
0: I know. I, I, <laughs> I thought I'd throw that one in you. Uh, running or lounging around?
1: Lounging around.
0: Chocolate little crisps? Crisps watch TV or play video games?
1: Play video games.
0: BBC or ITV?
1: BBC. <laughs> come on.
0: <laughs> I was gonna, uh, again, I was like, oh, let's see. Let's, that's what I said at the start. I want to see if you can do this off the top of your head. It would have been, uh, again, embarrassing if you'd gone with ITV.
1: Uh, yeah, it would have been, yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, I think we've come about to the end of our time. Is there anything else that you want to mention about the BBC or anything before we sign off?
1: no i you know it's been really good to chat to you it's been really good to get on my soapbox about the bbc and explain explain why i think we're so good um you know what i would say to everyone is that you know there's all sorts of amazing bbc products out there you know do have a look at them see what there is and i'd be more than happy to have a conversation with anyone about why working at the bbc is so great in whatever capacity if you're an engineer if you're a recruiter if you're anyone you know do feel free to reach out to me on linkedin i'd be more than happy to talk your ear off about the bbc that's,
0: that's what i was about to ask if people want to reach out to you following this how how's the best way to reach out to you
1: linkedin's the best way it's got my contact info on there so yeah i yeah do feel free to reach out to me on there it's absolutely fine and i yeah as i said more than happy to have a chat with anyone
0: perfect um if any questions come through uh, i'm sure you can find darren and you you want to ask me and i can send it across so if you reach out to hello at hackerjob.co and we'll uh, take it from there thank you so much for your time darren um, Thank you, Darren. I, Cheers. I look forward to having you on this in the future as well.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Bye bye.
0: Bye-bye.